How can we make the world better? By making ourselves better. The Dr. Joe Show explores how you can make positive personal change by using his groundbreaking and highly effective I Am approach to understand who we are and why we do what we do. Your small changes can have big effects. Join us now for the Dr. Joe Show with Mark Stiles of Stiles Law and your host, Dr. Joe Schrand. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Dr. Joe. Clapping in a while. That was great. They were clapping for you, for the song, for it was just great. For Larry, you know this is high tech now, right? It is a lot of tech. We're doing a lot of tech. I don't know if it's high tech. It's certainly a lot of tech, though. I think it worked pretty well. Nicely done, Ben Nipotent. Appreciate it, gentlemen. Always a pleasure to be around. Yeah, thank you. We have Larry from the Larry Show. That Larry Larry Show. Oh my God! (laughs) Can we start over? Is this live? Is this live? We're so canceled. <laughs> yeah, I know. We're done. <laughs> Thank you. We have, let me oh, start over. We have Larry, Larry from show. That Larry Show, and he's <laughs> in L.A. In L.A. So there's actually a The Larry Show, and it's a guy that does, like, motivational speaking. He's well into his 80s, and he's in Schenectady. And I feel very bad for people who sort of mix us up because, man, <laughs> yeah, you know, I, when they get the wrong one. I am so glad that I'm live, and uh, you probably can see how red I am. But we have we have the same sort of thing. We have the Dr. Joe show, and it's a guy who's talking about cigars. All the health benefits of tobacco and tobacco products. Which, as a psychiatrist, has enormous meaning. So um, <laughs> let's uh, let's get right to it. Uh, Tom, you you were able to, to get Larry over tonight. I'm going to start calling my show That Dr. Joe Show. Do you think? And it could be the Larry Show, that Dr. Joe Show. Uh, wow, yes. Well, what do you think, Larry? Should we go for this? Let's do it. Sure, Let's have a chat. Thank you, That's Thomas. Good. That was really great. Yes. And then and then there's Mark. Let's not forget Mark. Who oh, yeah, Mark. Right? Has, there's Mark. Who also has a remarkable uh, approach to the world. And as we all do. And, of course, that's our I am. So, where do we go from here? Let's LA. Let's go. LA. LA. What's it like? What's going on out in LA, Larry? It's it's very odd. It's very strange. Uh, the um, the uh, the level of uh, fear and paranoia is just palpable. It's really, it's really kind of sad. Um, you know, it's just people are. Um, you walk down the street. I mean, I I've had multiple times since the gym is closed. I'm riding my bike a lot. I'm walking my dog all the time. Several times, um, I'll see people not just amble across the street, but run like Godzilla's coming. I know I'm not Brad Pitt, but you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm wearing a mask. But it, the people are so terrified. Um, I think they they have. You are, as I know, a psychiatrist, means which means you're a physician, which means you understand communicable diseases. And people, I don't think, I don't think the vast majority of people do. I think that they feel that even, you know, 30 yards apart, they're somehow vulnerable to this. They're not. Or, or, or am I wrong? I mean, I think it's pretty, pretty simple. But that's the way everyone's acting. It's, it's very sad. And I don't know when this is all going to sort of 
right itself and this ship is going to correct course. It's really, it's, it's troubling to say the least in so many ways. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's a scary time. And so are, are you personally affected by that right now? I mean, when you walk down the street, do you have that same sort of survival instinct? Um, I feel, I, I don't feel, you know, scared. Um, I feel just sort of like a, a an out-of-body observer watching this happen, you know? It's very weird. But, you know, but I always try to find, I try to look at both sides, the silver lining. I, I took my wife and kids last week, and we went, we went up to the high desert to a place called the Antelope Valley, which uh, probably was the inspiration for the famed poppy field scene in The Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. Remember that they all fall asleep, which puts the spell, and a snowstorm wakes them up, boom, that's it. It's absolutely stunningly gorgeous. And before we left, my wife checked the websites of vast tracts of this valley was owned by the state of California called the Poppy Reserves. And all the websites said, we're closed, don't come, stay home, it's safer. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so, you know, <laughs> we jumped in the car, it's about an hour north of the city on the edge of the Mojave. It is, there's no describing how beautiful it is. It's like a psychedelic experience, it's just, it's carpeted with these with these orange flowers as far as the eye can see. The wind blows a gale's force all the time. And there were other people up there who were also non-compliant. You know, they 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 were just doing what they're doing. Nobody got closer than hundreds of yards. The wind was blowing constantly. I mean, the, the odds of, of contracting any disease under those circumstances are, I think, less than zero. And at the same time, I saw across across the field, young girl, maybe high school, maybe college, in her cap and gown, and she's shooting her graduation pictures. And I gotta tell you, mm. I thought, you're my hero for the day. You are my absolute hero, whoever you are. She refused to to kowtow, to live in fear, to do whatever, you know, whatever she was being told to do. And she was out there in this gorgeous place on this gorgeous day, shooting the most fantastic and memorable graduation pictures maybe of all time about how cool it's a it's a strange strange situation so i'm sure it is for you in the east i have the same thoughts about like the poppy fields and i have the same thoughts about the guy that was arrested for paddle boarding yeah. the counter i've heard is the idea of the tragedy of the commons that like if one guy goes out paddle boarding people will say well he's out paddle boarding i will i'll go paddle boarding but I don't know if people will just bunch up within six feet of each other. Like the ocean's pretty big. Dr. Joe, you like, is the tragedy of the commons like a real like psychological phenomenon or is it just a kind of a trope? Because we have these things called mirror neurons, we will mirror what other people do. Uh, and that's, that's part of how we have learned a lot of things about when to anticipate danger, when to look for food. You know, if, I, if, if somebody's eating a mango, I'm going to want to go and eat that mango too. Yeah. And I think that's, that's part of the dilemma. That's part of how our brain works. So the, the balancing act here is, I mean, if, if you can find a place that's got this beauty and you're like one of four or five people there in half a mile radius, I guess maybe it's okay. Um, but how do we how do we balance that against... Wasn't there an article, there was an article recently, um, a nurse 
published an article saying to the people who were surfing, have your friends plan your funeral. Mm. Because when you come to us with coronavirus, we're going to do everything we can to save you, but you will have gone out surfing and maybe infected other people. I don't know which side is right or wrong. They're both IMs. That's the thing. And the, the balancing act, I think, is how do we balance our individual rights to go outside with also protecting other people so that they can go outside later? The, the real question is, how much can we believe? And this has really been the problem. This has been the insidious problem that has happened over the last several years, or if not longer. Remember, one of the things about the IM is respect leads to value and value leads to trust. And right now, because there's been so much disrespect in the world and so much devaluing of each other, there's very little trust. And that's part of what coronavirus is also illustrating. I mean, I don't mean to get all deep and shrinky and everything, sorry. But I really think that's part of, of what is being illustrated here. This coronavirus is the great equalizer. It's helping us all understand a little bit more about ourselves and each other. And we have some choices that we need to make. It's just that simple. What do you think, Larry? I think there's a lot of uh, deliberate misinformation and disinformation. I think people are using it's been politicized. I'll tell you what, the moment I heard that they were calling this a war, I thought, now we're screwed. Mm. Okay. America doesn't do real well with the wars that it invents, okay? Like, how's that war on drugs going? Mm -hmm. Or the war on poverty? Or uh, the war on terror? It's been 20 years of TSA feel-ups and group gropes and x-rays and body scans, you know? And nobody, nobody ever even mentions a ceasefire. And when the last Al-Qaeda dude is worm food, they'll still be feeling people up because it's a huge government bureaucracy. Now, I have a friend uh, in Tennessee. He's a pretty famous cartoonist. He, he uh, is a character called Earthworm Jim. I'm not really into cartoons, but it's very successful. And he really snapped this situation into a very clear focus for me in a conversation last week. He has a malignant melanoma on his face. He needs a two-by-three by very deep hunk cut out of it. And then he needs testing to see if it's migrating into his lymph nodes. However, because of the state of Tennessee, the government, he cannot do this. That's an elective surgery. Okay. So um, that's just plain wrong because the, the mortality rate for that flavor of cancer, if it gets into lymph nodes, is north of 65%, whereas the mortality rate of corona is 1%. Not good, not right at all. So what I see around the country are politicians, one after the other. I'm they're, they're obsessed with this, even if it's a very minor blip in their realm, which in many states it is. But they're gonna jump on that bandwagon, they're gonna flog it, they're gonna blow that horn because that's how votes are guarded. Look at me. I'm a hero. I'm addressing coronavirus. But you, you either cancer, get in the background. We'll get to you later. Right now, I need to, I need to get some camera time along with Cuomo and, uh, and Newsom.
That's what yeah, There's. We were talking a lot about the discrimination in many areas of this. But I want to jump in for a second here. Larry being the uh, the Mac dad, the expert on dads. What can dads be doing right now to help uh, help pull their family closer and kind of get rid of that 80s sitcom dad uh, that we talked oh. about uh, back back on the last episode and try to reformat the dad sure. role? Sure. Well, I'll tell you what, Mark. I look at this, you know, the, the, the flip side of this uh of this disaster is is really a gift in that my my little girls uh, aren't so little anymore you know right. um and it's really came full circle for me up in that poppy field because i was first there with them when they were toddlers right now they're young ladies one's in college and one's in high school and the incredible thing is they're both home again i have this gift of being able to be with my kids that i would never have got ever and I am thrilled, and I'm making the most of it in every possible way. I'm just trying to, you know, just be a dad and encourage them. You know, I did an episode about this called Making Lemonade from Crisis, right? And we all know there are guys and women all around the world right now who are getting rich. They're, they're, they're figuring out. I mean, can you think of as horrible this is, as this is? The bonanza business it will be once the economy writes itself for reconfiguring restaurants and airplanes. God, I mean, there's, it's it's limitless, and I guarantee you there are many many people right now that are putting pen to paper, fingers to keyboards, and figuring out how they're going to do this, and they're going to be very, very wealthy. Not to mention, you know, hey, you want to drop ten pounds? Great time to do it. You know, it's just it's a, it's such if you can if if you have if you're fortunate enough not to be starving and God hope no one is. Um, it's an amazing gift of time to do things you might not have had the opportunity. That is true, and that that was part of the story that I heard you saying is that you guys just got in the car and and just went to this incredibly beautiful part of the world. You know. It is a gift, and I, I'm certainly spending more time with my kids. I've got three of my four kids home, which is like mind blowing right. school. You know, right. they all get along and they all do silly things. Um, but yes, yeah. there there is that part to it. We were all moving so fast. Mm. Right? Fast. Don't you think we were just moving so yes. fast, not even realizing it? Mark, what oh, about you? I have a saying. <laughs> We say it's, it's always Thursday. That's the that's the uh, the once a week uh, trash pickup in L.A. and it's kind of this weird little uh, uh, push pin in the calendar where you got to lug all this crap out and roll the cans to the to the sidewalk. And it's like, didn't we just do this yesterday? <laughs> but you know, it's seven days. It's a seven day cycle. So, right. And right now, it, there is that weird thing with time that you know the groundhog. Day phenomenon mm -hmm. every day seems to be blending into another day yes yeah. tommy you, you experiencing that at all oh absolutely uh i think being able to do the show that's a that's a frame of reference for the week the only one is may other one is maybe uh sunday morning buying turnips and animal crossing that's it <laughs> otherwise it's all just the same <laughs> that is great 
You know, last night we um, we also had a, a guest on, um, this guy Landis Mitchell, who's working with Brockton VA. And he was talking about a paper uh, looking at the happiness in older people, like in their 80s or so. And they did a, a large study, and statistically they found the happiest people, there were four things going on. The first was gratitude. Right. And we spent a lot of time on the Dr. Joe show talking about gratitude. The second was passion, having something that you're passionate about, something that you love to do. The third was being able to share that passion with somebody else. And the fourth was just being in the moment, one day at a time. So I thought that was really interesting because isn't that part of what we're reclaiming now in some ways? Especially because sort of at the, at the last part, one day at a time, weren't things just moving so fast before? So fast. No question. No question. Time has definitely slowed down. And um, since we're not involved in our, in our usual you know, activities, it's, I, I'm finding that it's, it's sort of a, you know, morphing together. It's harder to distinguish between you know, yesterday and last week because you're in this weird netherworld most of the time. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, Are you still writing? You still doing? Oh, constantly, sure. Yeah. yeah. So, what, what, what can you tell us about that? We, we a couple of nights ago, we had uh, a group who were doing writing. As mm-hmm. actually, it was very interesting. These these are folks who just come out of prison and were doing writing as a way to express it. Mm-hmm. Um, what about you? Where do you get your inspiration? Because I was reading a little bit on your website about some of the the things that you've been doing and writing and are you having any incorporation of coronavirus into the writing now? Yeah. Well, you know, part, I mean, certainly, um, my, my shows, um, are, um, they're thought out. I don't, I don't, you know, wing it when I, when I sit down. So I've got a pretty good idea, um, what I want to say. And so that's partially written. You know, when I when I when I sort of take off on a tangent and, and ride that, I do. But I certainly have a structure and a beginning and a middle and an end to every episode that I do. Um, so just with the Corona thing, I've I've tried to offer my listeners, um, you know, two sides of it. One, you know, one of the one episode was called "Pandemic of Lies," and was it negative? Yeah, um, but it was truth. There's been tremendous falsehoods thrown around there's some intention and some not um but then the other one was uh as i said before uh, uh making lemonade from crisis another one was the upside of this pandemic and that was the very first thing that i said is hey you know what everybody you get you get this incredible gift to do things you have the time to do stuff you might not have done whatever it is you want to learn to knit or macrame or you know do 100 push-ups whatever the hell it is you you suddenly have this time and wow if you don't use it how are you going to, because this will all pass. It will all go away. And when you look back over your shoulder, are you going to say, and I blew it? Or, hey, look what I did. Right. And with that in mind, why would people be lying about this? And I'm not, I am not, you know, at all saying that there's truth. Not, we don't know. That's the problem with, with coronavirus. Yeah. With, as with, with most viruses, we know what, what to expect. Right. There's all this new stuff coming up, and it's everywhere. 
why would there be a motivation to do that? Money, power, influence, usual reasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And from your point of view, who's going to benefit from that? From the lies? Yeah. Or, I'm sorry, who will benefit from, from what, Dr. Joe, the lies? The lying, right, because, because there, there's definitely a money piece to this. Mm -hmm. You know, some people, I mean, because I, I was listening to your show, I thought it was brilliant, the way you were talking about some some companies incorporating it into their ads. Oh, you know, no. we're, 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 we're here for you. We're, we're here for you. Right. We're getting through this together. We're getting, right. And, and I must admit, I say that too, but I don't expect to make any money at it. Um, you know, just, <laughs> but exactly. this side of human nature. When you say we'll get through this together, you're, you're offering something very tangible. You're helping calm people's fears. You're informing, you are doing something, okay? Whereas if you're a car company or selling super, you just want to ensure the cash flow, the, the, the stream continues. And it's so false. It's really kind of insulting, right? Yeah, yeah there, there is that side of it. And that is, unfortunately, that is part of who we are as human beings as well. Sure. You know, we talk about the I am. The I am isn't always good. You know, no. I am isn't always bad. As a matter of fact, you can't, you can't really judge it. That's yeah. the whole idea. You can't say this is good or that's bad. As soon as you do that, the whole I am idea goes away. Because mm -hmm. the whole idea of the I am, it is your current maximum potential. If you don't like it, you can change it. And you are going to influence other people based on what you do. It's just the reality of it. Of course. You get to choose the kind of influence you want to be. And what I'm hoping the, the corona is, is teaching us is that when we work together as a group, we actually may accomplish more than if we are selfishly going about our world trying to pick somebody else's pocket. And I think in part that's part of what you're saying too, Larry. Or am I missing something here? No, I'm definitely on the same page there, for sure. Yeah. So, so what about those folks who are now saying, we were talking about this early in the week, that my, my liberty is being threatened. My rights are being threatened because I'm being told I need to stay inside. And again, I'm not, it's an I am. Just really interested in how some people see it one way, some people see it the other. What do you think? Are, are our liberties being crushed by this? I, th I think in some ways they are. I think, um... You know, we, we've seen this happen. We've seen this movie before. I mean, this is really, uh, you know, 9-11 2.0 uh, to an incredible exponent, you know, astronomical. Mm. And yeah, uh, there was a time you could, uh, you know, walk out on an airplane and, and be treated with dignity and sort of relax and so forth. And because of that, um, the entire country, all travelers have been, in essence, criminalized. I think that's a bad thing. Um, there are other ways to do things. Other nations profile people, and they kind of say, you look, you look suspicious, and so do you, and I don't like your looks. Step over here. And I'm kind of good with that. Yeah. And by the same token with, <laughs> you know, really, I mean, that's the way Israel does it. Yeah. yeah. They totally, they profile everyone. Works pretty good for them. Um, and it, in this situation, you've got... A couple of ice, unless they're lying, and it's always possible, but it's, it would seem, if you read, that Taiwan and South Korea really put their foot on the neck of corona faster than anybody else. 
they didn't do a nationwide lockdown, okay? They did strategic ones, trying to isolate where it really mattered instead of destroying their economy. What's, what's wrong? Why can't we do that? But I think there's this overarching thing in America that everybody has to be the same all the time. Why? Because in essence, everybody's not the same. You know, people are, people, you know, there's really rich guys and really poor guys and really smart guys and not so smart guys. That's just the human condition, you know. But I think there's this, there's this, there's this underlying, we must all be in lockstep. And, uh, and it's, I don't think it's, I think it's, working out that very very well you know the profiling thing did remind me yeah you because you added a word in your head when he said profiling i'm guessing well it just reminded me of a time when when it happened to me when i was i was coming back from london um it was like 2010 or so and uh, i get i get taken aside with my daughter sophie and i get taken aside and I get patted down and I said to the guy, you know, don't you think you should buy me dinner first? <laughs> you know, and he didn't like he it. He was the first yeah. one to say that. <laughs> but, you know, but, um, but it, but it is, we, we, we profile, we target. Uh, and I'm not saying that we all need to be the same. Absolutely not. We're not, we know that. Right. But we still share something together, which is pretty amazing. We were talking about this as well. We will never share the same space ever, right? There's no way that I can physically share the same space with somebody else. If I'm occupying this part of the world, they can't be. And we can trade off. But we'll always be occupying the same time. And that just adds another sort of dimension to this because that's part of what we are managing right now is we're looking at time how long will this coronavirus go on for? How long will I be asked to stay inside? How long will it be before I can just go out back into the store and not worry that I'm bumping elbows with somebody who's, you know, trying to buy the same can of tomatoes? And we don't know that. And for human beings, that is really difficult to tolerate. That's just part of our nature. We, We are designed to know things and understand things and if we don't unfortunately part of our survival brain kicks in and we think we're in danger yeah right i I think though people lose sight of the fact that all of life is risky and it's all terminal you know i heard a guy a very fascinating guy is that he was a uh, a writer journalist a 10-year career in the new york times which made me think this is the last guy i ever thought would be bashing conventional media but I heard him on another radio talk show, and and the host said, well, this guy's name is Alex Berenson. He said, well, what do you think of the Times coverage? He says, I think it's atrocious. Um, he says, there are people deliberately uh, writing misleading stories. And he apparently seems to be a pretty knowledgeable journalist, and he does his fact-checking and research quite carefully. And he said, here's a, here's a stat that might blow back your hair. There are more people over the age of 100 who have died of coronavirus than under the age of 30. Okay. And it's a terrible thing. I'm afraid of it. I don't want anybody coughing on me with coronavirus. However, sooner or later, something will get you. And the 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 numbers of this, oh, they are terrible. You know, it's it's awful to leave it lead, lead, excuse me, to lose even one life. However, when you do look at the numbers, 
uh, it doesn't warrant this level of hysteria and panic. And then there's the other side of it, okay? We have, a, we have an education system that has become completely focused on STEM, okay? How many, how many guys doing the computer models, which have all been wildly incorrect about this virus, understand what a crashing world economy does to our safety, okay? The primary igniter of World War II was the Great Depression. And as of this, as of yesterday, the worldwide death toll for Corona was 180,000, okay? Battle of Stalingrad, 1,800,000 dead guys in one battle, one, okay? How many of those computer modeling STEM dudes even heard of the Battle of Stalingrad or have an understanding of what starts wars? It's like the compartmentalization of expertise. Exactly. exactly. Right. But, and, and there's no question that, you know, the response to Corona has had an impact on the economy. Oh. Uh, but, but what if the other had happened? What if it was like an Ebola and it just ripped through people and it just tore them apart inside out? The, the, at least then, you know, we can manage it. But, you know, with this, the scary part about it is that 25 to 50% of people, we think, will be asymptomatic. But the question is, are the numbers lower because of the reaction we've had to it? Um, um, I would imagine it's, it's had a beneficial effect. The, the, the curve has certainly been flattened. Um, Mark, I'm, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure the numbers are lower as, as a result of that. But at what point, is, as Dr. Joe said earlier, where does this end? Where does this end? Because now you're saying about 25 to 50% of them are asymptomatic, okay? Now, I'm sure you're hearing, as I am constantly, about this weird kind of boomerang effect where someone tests positive, they contract the disease, they go through it, they survive it pretty well, and then a few weeks later, they are again contagious. How does yeah. that even work? So, so here's, here's what we think is going on with that one. That one I, I can't answer. Um, we think the, the mutation rate of, of coronavirus is pretty high, which means that it's basically, you know, outpacing our immune response. So imagine that there's a, a chair. Right? We're, we're, probably, we're all sitting in chairs. Each one may be different, and each one may fit our particular butt a little bit better. Right. So imagine that there are five different coronaviruses, right? And that each one is a little bit different, which means the immune response has to target that particular chair to fit into it and stop it. And so, again, we don't know whether the people are getting immunity and that's lasting, or whether it's a new virus or whether it's the same virus and you don't get immunity. This is part of, of why it is so baffling to try to figure out what to do. And, and in part, the limbic response makes sense. One way to protect ourselves is to freeze and hope the danger passes. You know, there's, there's anxiety, which is where we run from something. There's anger, where we fight something. And then there's that freeze where we know we're not strong enough to beat it, but we just can't run away from it. So let's freeze and become invisible and hope the danger passes. And that is part of this approach this particular strategy 
everyone stay in place. They may never have realized it was sort of the freeze limbic response, but that's part of what it is. It's, it's worked for millions of years, okay? But the problem is when you are freezing, if there is not a danger, somebody else will start moving and they'll get to the mango before you do. And that's, that's part of what is going on in our brains is there's this idea that if I don't move, somebody else will get something that I don't have and then I will be deprived of it. That's part of the balancing act. The other side of it is that there may be enough mangoes to go around. And right now that's part of what maybe is happening with Corona. The economy, terrible, you know? But what I'm amazed at is in, in my job now as, as chief medical officer of Riverside Community Care, we have folks who are in these homes taking care of people every day and going home to their families and are afraid that they're going to bring something from one place to another. So the best we can do is give them the PPE, you know, the, the equipment, the, the strategies, what they need to do, because for some people, they have to move. They can't just stay in one place because if they stay in one place, somebody else may die. How is that supply chain going, Dr. Joe? You have all this stuff because you know I don't. You're there. Yeah. Do you have, are you getting everything you need to do that? No. We Riverside is is ahead of the curve because we we have this guy Scott Bach who's who's our CEO and and he's got a team and we anticipated this so we were really? thinking weeks and weeks and weeks before that wow. this was coming. We shut down our clinics. Uh, we did telehealth. Um, we've we've recognized that that there are people who need to be in the field. Um, some people had to get furloughed because you know we we just couldn't afford it. Um, but all their medical care is being paid for. So it's it's really thoughtful. But no, we we don't have enough supplies. But we're very very um, diligent about how those supplies are being distributed. And I think it's being done fairly. But it's a fascinating experience. You know, how do you decide? We, we, again, Larry, we, we had this show a few weeks ago about people who have real serious developmental challenges and how they're being pushed down, just like your friend was being pushed down the list. Yeah. because of the cancer as opposed to corona. How do we make these decisions? I'm so glad I'm not, I'm not the one having to make them. <laughs> no, because I was going to add is once this lockdown's lifted, we're going to see a lot more drunk driving deaths. So are we letting these deaths happen when we lift the lockdown? It's like, where does the social responsibility and it begin? It's like we could present we could prevent deaths all the time we just haven't Absolutely. yes so are we going to redefine responsibility after this in Good terms question. of those kind of deaths yeah. was it we, we talked about like uh it's like the argument was well if we end the lockdown now are we just sacrificing people for the economy didn't we do that a lot before yeah i mean look at you mentioned automobiles 
if you wanted to, you could equip, you could mandate that every car be built with a, a roll cage, lower speed limits to 40 miles an hour, and you'd probably cut the, the highway death rate from 40,000 to 4,000 a year. Probably, really. You know, how many of these guys, you know, in Indianapolis and uh, Daytona, these incredible wrecks and they walk away from it. It's the technology in the car. <laughs> it can be done. It's not a mystery, but you know, people, people want to go faster and they're not willing to pay. I don't like to use the term new normal. Mm. It's not normal. It is our current reality. But what we were talking about off air is, you know, this, this, um, this holy grail, this, this vaccine that everybody's looking for, and then that'll end everything and everything will go back to normal. But will it really go back to normal? And I, I think a lot of things are going to be very, very different going forward. I would absolutely agree with you. I don't, I don't think any, I don't think there were, I would be a, uh, a, a normal um, as we know it pre, pre pandemic. I mean, are we going to wear masks on a regular basis? Yeah. Are we going to shake her again? Yeah. Who's going to, right. It's just the simplest things, handshakes, hugs. Who's going to go to a movie? Right. I don't know. I, I won't until I, I feel comfortable about it. But when will you feel comfortable? You know, because there's always something else that could potentially be out there now. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I mean, when, when Dr. Joe talked that, I mean, the jump ball is this mutating factor, you know, and, and the boomerang effect of it. That's, that's really, until they can skin that cat, um, it seems like all bets are off. How long does that fear, la how long will the fear last, though? Because, you know, people went to concerts after Las Vegas. People went to school after Sandy Hook. And people went to went through the uh, tunnel in Boston after that Moon and Night fiasco. If either, if any of you guys remember that, I do, Tom. Good call. Yeah, I think the difference there was that there was uh, an identified threat. You know, there was a person who was out shooting people. Mm. There were specific, you know, things. This is this invisible threat. Um, and, and it makes everybody a little bit wary of everybody else. And that's my real concern here is that it's just going to tap into that old part of who we are as human beings, where I just can't trust anyone. I don't think we need to be there, but I think we need to be aware that we have responsibilities towards each other. Uh, and, and a lot of those, I think were just sort of put aside and neglected and we didn't really think about it. Um, but it's, it's a tough one. It is a tough one. I think part of the, the quelling fear will also be dependent upon how the media handles it, because there's no question that, um, fear sells, you know, it, it generates clicks, it generates, it draws in eyeballs and all, they constantly, every morning I you know, switch on this computer and I look them it's invariably bad news. And you have to kind of dig to find out that, gee whiz, uh, new cases are down in this country or that country. So good things are going, there's progress being made. You almost never hear that because alarmism and panic keeps people glued to their channels. It reminds that is so wrong. But, but that's so true. If it bleeds, it leads. I mean, that's yes. part of the news forever. As Dick Matheson wrote once, that the success of the media relies on strong stories of evil. 
not good versus evil, just evil, an unanswered question. Yes. Just leave you hanging in, in suspense. Yep. Keeps you watching. Absolutely. They'll never, uh, if the vaccine is announced, they'll wait as long as possible to say. Well, they will. You know, when the, when the last person coughs a coronavirus cough, some chooch from the media is going to be there with a camera and a microphone going, see, it's still here. Be, be afraid. You know that. that's a that's a there's a lot of that. And that's what I'm talking about. So what will the next fear base be, right? So so you get the vaccine, everybody's oh. you know, fear of of Corona is gone. Bye, bye, bye. bye. It's going to be the, it's going to be the anti-vaxxers claim right now. What are those side effects? It's going to cause infertility or autism or God knows what. I mean, Doctor Joe, you could probably quote chapter and verse on this. You're the sawbones. It's limitless, is it not? It's the, the the thing about this one is we've we've been subjected to viruses and illnesses all along. We've survived pretty much all of them. Yeah. I don't think this one's gonna be that much different. It's just that it's so startling that our lives can change so quickly and a whole bunch of people die. I mean, a lot of people are dying. Um and yeah, it, it's it's true, Larry. It, it's it's not quite the same apocalyptic thing as World War II or somewhere else where millions and millions of people. But I think part of that, uh, it could be, but I don't know, and I'm not going to be an alarmist about it. All I know is that there are certain things that we can do. If it's really a virus, we know what to do. Wash our hands, stay clean, you know, don't hug people right now. And if you think you're contagious, do the right thing and isolate yourself and try to save somebody else. Um, it's just that it's such a quick one. This is a really, really clever virus. Mm. It's really good at what it does. Um, the number of days that it took to get to 1,000 uh, reported cases was about 40 days. It was over 900 days to get to that number of SARS cases. Wow. So wow. it's That's just quite a stat. Mm. It's really, it's just good at what it does, mm. you know? So that's why we got to figure out what we want to do as a team, you know? Yeah. I mean, it would be great. My, my, my kids went out kayaking today. I got to admit it. They went kayaking. Good, good for them. Um, but I don't think that they, you know, were among four or five hundred other people right right yeah. but they went kayaking and now other people know that they can go kayaking and now <laughs> tragedy of the commons yeah. yeah i was at the beach earlier i i mean the, the the comforting thing about it is that i know that i won't go kayaking but that's just because i don't really go kayaking but um but that's another story i suppose so, Larry, we've got a few minutes left today. Yes. When we talk about the Dr. Joe show and, and the I am approach, you know, we go over the four domains. We are always doing the best we can in response to four domains. Your home domain, the social domain, the biological domain, and the IC domain. How do I see myself? How do I think somebody else sees me? That's really what we're talking about today. You know, all discussions can, can be sort of boiled down to these four domains. How's Corona affecting you at home? How's it affecting you in the social world? 
We're really interested in how it affects us in the biological domain because it could kill us. And then the IC domain is how do I begin seeing myself? But now we're looking at how do I see somebody else as a potential carrier and a potential threat? So because the four domains interconnect, however, small changes can have big effects. We don't need to change everything, whether it's washing our hands or doing something else. What small change could you suggest to our listening audience so they can get through this corona? Two words. Bring calm. Hmm. That's it. Wherever possible, because people are beyond jittery. And I try to do that with my kids. I mean, we're, we're constantly just bombarded by gloom and doom. And that's just unrealistic. But a lot of people just you know, clamshell up and, and, and cover up and, and, and put up with that. You don't have to. So that's, that's, you know, that's my simple recipe, wherever possible, bring calm. That's great. And because it leads right into the second rule of the I am, that everybody's got one. Everybody has interested in what you think or feel about them. That's their IC domain. And that has an effect on their biological domain. And you're part of someone's home or social domain. So this means you control no one, you influence everyone. And you get to choose the kind of influence. And you've certainly given people a great choice. That small change can have a huge influence on people. But what about you? What kind of influence are you hoping to be? On people in general? On all of them. I, I, I sort of take the, uh, <laughs> the buffet, smorgasbord uh, approach, Dr. Joe. It depends on uh, what week it is and how I'm feeling. At some point, uh, I might be uh, a rabble rouser and incendiary and uh, triggering rage, and uh, other times uh, not, because I like to entertain. So it varies, varies by by time. It's great. <laughs> so, so what are you getting out of this whole thing? What, what, I mean, what's what's your take-home message from what we've been experiencing? Because you're right, it is nothing like anything we've ever experienced in our lifetime. This coronavirus. It's it, it again. You know, there's the gift of the time, and then it's also it's a magnificent uh, crucible, really. Um, it's it's a it's a very tough time for a great great many people, and uh, you know if you're Nietzschean, it's what doesn't kill me makes me stronger. So even if it doesn't kill you, and it's not going to kill most of us, how are you going to emerge from this? Will you be stronger, or you'll be a, a, a gibbering ball of fear? That's up to us. Only we can decide that. That is absolutely true. And. What the I am gives you is a roadmap to get you to the decision you want. Because some people will succumb to this fear. Mm -hmm. And some people, because they are afraid, may take it out on somebody else. And then that other person is going to take it out on somebody else and somebody else. Some people will be angry because they want this to change. And that anger could lead to somebody taking it out on somebody else or somebody else. Some people get depressed and they'll just shut down. But there's nothing wrong with these feelings. It's what you do with them that's going to matter. There's nothing wrong with the feeling, but the I am gives you a chance to understand why you feel what you feel, why you do what you do. And if you don't like it, you can change it. But you're not going to be able to change it if you don't understand why you're doing it. And the coronavirus is giving us this common thing for all of us to look at. 
this common idea of fear, this common idea of uncertainty, this common idea of community as well. Because we are all in this together. It's just Indeed. what we do. No question. Right? Yes. All right, thanks so much. Stay safe out there. Thank you. Please. You too. Stay safe. You too. Everybody, the Dr. Joe Show, we will be back next Thursday, just sort of hanging out, doing our thing. Thanks, Larry. Thank you. Thanks, Larry. Thank you, Dr. Joe. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Thomas. Always a pleasure. Dear Romeo, drank from the vial, did he do?